Welcome to the Extra Podcast, a production of Northview Community Church in Abbotsford, British Columbia. Your hosts, Jeff, Ezra, and Thalia, will be discussing the Bible, relevant issues, and current events each week. At Northview, we love to study God's Word and discuss how it applies to our lives, but we try not to take ourselves too seriously. So feel free to laugh with us and at us as we try to challenge and encourage you in your faith. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year and welcome to our extra podcast. My name is Thalia. I'm one of the pastors on staff and I'm joined by two of my friends. One happens to be my boss. Hey, Jeff. Hi. (laughs) And Ezra. Hey, how are you? Happy New Year to you, Thalia. Uh How was New Year for you? It was good. You had a good one? We were in Palm Springs. Oh, I know. Is Palm Springs busy during the New Year? Uh, I didn't think it was crazy. You were away. Define crazy. Well, the traffic is hardly anything, and you can get a restaurant spot, no big deal. So so Palm Springs is one of the places in the world that has the best roads ever. They're all straight, and you, you basically people drive as fast yeah. as they want, but they never go as they never actually go as fast as the speed limit because it's mostly older people. And they, it, they're all, seriously, they're like 55 miles an hour on these side, just side streets, and you can just blow as fast as you want all around the place, all straight. Well, it's really funny because I'm looking at Google Maps. We're trying to get from one place to another. And it has all these yellow and red spots, you know. And you're thinking, oh, my goodness, we're going to be stopped forever. And you're like, that that was nothing. No. Like, I don't know what happened there. Like that. <laughs> it was a traffic light. That was, that's traffic? That's no <laughs> big deal. I can handle traffic. that you, traffic. So you're a bit of a traveler. You usually go places like Whistler. Yeah. And you've been to lots of places around the world. Where yeah. does Palm Springs rank in the... Sawatsky pantheon of great holiday spots. Well, it's wow. easy to get to because it's like three hours and you're on the ground and it's sunny and same time change. So like no big deal. So we rented a house and it had a hot tub and a pool and we're good to go. Yeah, these are first world problems, aren't they? I know. And well, like you can f- talk. <laughs> you were on vacation. A, I, you're I, nice and brown. Yes. Mm-hmm. I Yeah, we had some dear people who are part of our church uh, Gave us uh, a a week, well, as long as we wanted, uh, a week stay at their condo in Cozumel, Mexico. Have you been to Cozumel? Well, we usually don't take people up on offers like this because we feel horrible doing it. But uh, 25th wedding anniversary this year. Oh, happy anniversary. And so we ended up deciding to do that. My wife, for our 25th wedding anniversary, decided to bring the kids with us. (laughs) Oh, wow. Way to go, Jeannie. Yeah. Good times. Congratulations, Jeff. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, it was great. We had a good time. A lot of fun. I, I, I'd speak uh, meal Spanish, so I can, I can order a few this and that. But I am largely lost at the rest of the time. So I'm getting price gouged everywhere. I know I am. All you need to know is guacamole. That's all you need to know. Oh, yuck. <laughs> you don't like guacamole? <laughs> no. Mole. Oh. He likes mole. I like mole. mole. Oh, I yeah, like mole too. Mole. Yes, yeah. thank you very much. Oh. It was a lovely time. That's good. I uh, enjoyed it a lot. Ezra, you, of course, so we've got somebody from Palm Springs. Yeah. I went to Cozumel, Mexico. You, of course, were gallivanting I, around dude, I, Chilliwack, yes? <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't go to Chilliwack. I stayed in wonderful Abbotsford. Was it beautiful? Oh, it was, it was fantastic. Well, you had a new little baby in your family of course to enjoy it was, Christmas it with. It was fantastic. And, uh-huh. we, you know, you drive and you look at the Christmas lights around. It's fantastic. 
It's a good time of year, man. All right. See, see. So if you I, still have your Christmas lights up now, you've broken up because we still have them up because we know. were gone. Yep. Oh, Jeffrey. Do you Buckman. have your tree up though? No, still? no, we got rid of that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you still have your lights up? Yeah, we got back last night. And they were on. Mm-hmm. We Us were the too. only one. Seriously, the only one. <laughs> yeah. In the entire city, I think, yeah. who had their Christmas uh-huh. lights up. <laughs> That's good times. Uh-huh. Did I you still make, have neighbors. With did you make New Year's up. resolutions, Ezra? No, actually, I don't make resolutions because I end up breaking them. Then I feel mm-hmm. horrible. So I decided, you know, forget the resolution. What I will do is I will actually make life goals instead. That's basically the same thing. <laughs> Sounds very holy. No, 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 no. I mean, a resolution is kind of like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym. And you start by mid-February. Okay, what's a life done. goal? <laughs> huh? What's a life goal? I want to be more godly. Oh, oh that's good. <laughs> <laughs> the halo is shining the, over here. Doesn't the resolution basically work toward the end of the life goal? Uh, no, 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 no. These are two different things. Resolutions are usually lofty plans that you have that are totally... Yeah, I want to lose weight. Yeah, you never get to. I want to to to, to visit my in-laws more. Yeah, and again, you never and again, get just, to it, just so. for clarity's yeah. sake. <laughs> what? What's a life goal? What? What is it? No, no, but what? What? Mine? I, I want. I just know told the, you what mine is. I want to know what the distinction between resolutions and life goals are in your mind. Or in my mind? Oh, a life goal is more. How would I put it? It's 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 more rational. You know, Ezra, I don't think you know what you're talking about. <laughs> Let's move on. I have a new segment for us. It's called Tweet of the Week. So every week we're going to have something that's kind of silly or serious or a little bit gone viral, and we're going to talk about it. So here's the Tweet of the Week. It says, Hello, I'm a high school football coach in a Christian movie. My marriage is falling apart. My team is extremely bad. But then I discover the secret of prayer, and God makes my marriage super hot again, and we win all the championships. <laughs> Sammy Rhodes, campus minister at University of Southern Carolina. The Southern, South Carolina? South Carolina. Oh. Yes, well, that's satirical, isn't it? That's a good tweet. I like that one, because that's what every Christmas Christian movie's about, isn't it, in the end? That yep. Things are going really bad, and then you discover Jesus, and everything turns out good. I know. Which is, of course, the way it works. Right, Ezra? Really? And only a guy would say that he wants his marriage to be super hot again. (laughs) That's not a girl thing. (laughs) Isn't that what the movie basically says? The girls would want super great emotional connection. Yeah. If that was a girl. I think that's what he means by it. Uh, (laughs) Super hot again. No way. It doesn't go like that. Not always. And he won all the championships. Well, it wouldn't be a very good movie if they did it. If they did the opposite. They don't do the martyr movies very much, do they? No. You don't see stuff on Polycarp these days. No. Polycarp no. died in the early centuries, Christian centuries, for no. not bowing his knee to Rome. No. And then he got killed. And we want mm-hmm. to become a Christian and get all the good things. Yeah. Well, you and I, you just came back from, uh, I know. from Palm, Palm Springs. Springs. Don't you have all the good things? All the good things. It's true. Yeah. The truth is that Christianity, this is one of the problems, this is where, what I think is where the prosperity gospel has kind of seeped in to the just modern thinking, Yeah, is there is, this, there is this attitude that says, God wants to bless you. You just need to figure out the secret potion. And we all debate about what the secret potion is. Yeah. Either it's my good works or my verbal statements. You know, I decree and declare that God is, that, you know, that, that today is good or that I'm the head and not the tail. These are all kinds of the sayings yeah. that you hear from the prosperity folks. So either you have the power to make it happen by your words, and if you use the right words, God will visit you with great blessings yeah, or whatever. It's funny, Ezra, isn't this kind of the way witch doctors work? That oh, yeah. You go, you go to the witch doctor, 
and you say I want to have a good life, and then they'll and then they'll put put together some sort of concoction or some sort of they'll give you a chant to say, uh, yeah, yeah, rabbit's foot to carry, those kinds of things, yeah, stuff that you will do mm-hmm. to to get it. And I honestly feel like there a lot of times that's the way we view s- certain takes. So if I if I submit myself to Jesus in the sense that I pray this Christian prayer, it will yield all these great blessings. Oh, we want that. Like Mark and I went to a church in Palm Springs, um, and they were telling us that this year will be the victory year. This will be the year we declare and it comes true. This will be the year that will be better than all the rest and all these kinds of sayings. And I left feeling quite sad. I'm thinking, oh, but you don't know it's going to be the victory year. But you, see, by saying that out loud, you've declared it, you've to, declared be true. it to be different. And no, they said. you just ruined it all by saying something <laughs> negative. You see, I think, I think with the prosperity churches... Um, they they focus a lot on God's ability to do the impossible, which is true. God can do the impossible thing. I think where that's they a positive f- thing, right? Yes, yes. But where they fall short is so. How do you get there? And is that is is God's design for your life to bring you the the biggest joy in terms of financial uh, windfall on this side of eternity? Is that what God wants for you? Does He want you to always be healthy and always be happy and always be satisfied on this side of eternity? Yeah, well, that's a challenge, that's, right? On that's this side of f- eternity. So ultimately, exactly. yes. The question is, does He already want you to be that way? And I, I don't think that's the case. There's mm-hmm. a not yet in it. Yes. But we want that so badly. We want that jukebox in well, the sky. Well, everybody's, everybody's got a thing that they want. I mean, th- I just okay, think about sports here for a minute. You want your team to win? Okay, it's NFL playoffs time. You want your team to win the playoff game. If they're named Seahawks, they won't. I should have just said that early on. <laughs> they won't. And they didn't. Okay? But you want them to win. And have you, or have you ever noticed what people, what people do, men will do, uh, in order for their team to win. So if your team is behind and you've been sitting in a particular like spot on the couch and things aren't going well, you will think to yourself, oh, maybe I'm going to move the other one. Yeah, move the other <laughs> side of the couch. Or if you have to go to the bathroom, you know, you've been drinking way too many Cokes or whatever, you go to the bathroom and all your, your, the guys in your, in, in your house who are watching the game with you start cheering, yeah, we're coming back. There's this real feeling in your heart like, I don't, I probably shouldn't go back. Yeah, because because it's, some, if, because it's me. It's, yeah, it's it's me watching the game. You're like um, the cosmic rabbit ear. Do you remember those ra- yeah, rabbit yeah. ears Jinxing when you had it. to figure out how to get the conne- connection to the so you could see the game? You, like right. you've moved mm-hmm. to such a way that you've cosmically worked God out so that He's now giving you the victory, right? And that you'll sit there for you'll you'll do crazy things. Yeah, you will. You'll. You'll step over. You, you won't. You won't eat certain things on a particular day. You'll step over certain wear your uh, lucky socks. Rocks. Yeah, all the time. And you genuinely believe. Yep. Or you'll say, "Well, I don't really believe it," but you're like, "Well, I kind of believe, believe it." So, but what you're doing there is that you there's this thing that you really want, and you believe that there's a way to get it. Yeah. And you believe that by entering the right, you know, ingredients. It will yield that thing that you want. And this is the way that the world works in general, in religion, and works this way, is that, okay, maybe it's those kinds of actions, the decree and the word of faith movement saying, no, no, it's the way you speak about that mm-hmm. thing that will yield it to you. Some Christians say, no, if you obey God, yeah. you'll get that thing, right? So he'll owe you this Keep thing if rules. you do all the rules, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So this is the way religion works at every turn. Mm-hmm. What's, what's different about Christianity is that you basically come to God and submit to him, 
and say, and say to him that I trust that what you want for me is better, right? Yeah. Deny yourself, right. take up your cross and follow me daily. Right. So I, I that's hard. Yeah. Because what you're essentially doing is saying this thing that I really want, I don't even know if I really want it, even though I really want it. Lord, I really want it. But yeah. I'm going to trust that if I'm to really have it, I'm going to ask you for it, but I'm going to trust ultimately that you know better. Yeah. Not So not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. There's some that's in the Bible somewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think right. so. I think, I think uh, what we often fail to realize is everything we have from God is a mercy. Yeah. It's a mercy from him. It's undeserved grace that we have. And we are all servants of God. So in other words... If you had a servant and you're a rich guy and uh, the servant has been working all day in the farm, in the field, and you know that, and, the, and now you come home after your business, um, business meetings and all that, the servant has worked all day, they come in, you will demand that they make dinner for you, they'll make dinner for you, they'll clean up the table and all that while you watch your sports or whatever. Are you obligated to say thank you to the, to the servant? No. The servant is just that, a servant. That's what they do. That's their role. And I think for us, we are obviously God's children, but we are also God's servants where um, he doesn't have to say thank you to you for doing the job and the command and following through with what he has asked you to do. No, it's a mercy that you receive. It's not, it's not because I'm so good, therefore God has given me this, that, and the other. Oh, God has to. He owes me good health. No, he doesn't. Okay, but Ezra, give me, give you two, okay, you're both involved in care ministry. I yeah. want you to give me advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want this thing, fill in the blank with the thing, okay? Good marriage, husband, period, wife, period. Whatever. Uh, like A job. Great job. Great uh-huh. health. Whatever. Child's victory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. NHL player, son. What you you name it, whatever the thing is. Yeah, I want this thing. Mm-hmm. I want you to give me advice mm. on how should a Christian deal with that impulse, that desire to see this good, what this good thing, right, come to fruition. What what does a Christian do? Because I just described what 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 animists do, right? They go to the witch doctor, or they do the incantations, or they. You know, stand in the bathroom while their team wins. Whatever. What is, What do you advise a Christian to do? How should a Christian approach the things that they really want in life? So I talk to people about this all the time. People are broken up because they want a particular relationship, or they want a pregnancy, or they want whatever. So I tell them that they need to talk to God honestly about this thing that you said. Tell Him honestly that you really want this and why, and you you can be honest with your Father. He loves you. And then ultimately you have to say, but your will be done. You have to say, okay, but if I can't have that thing, I'm still going to follow you. But that's a really tough place. That takes a, that's a process. You see, for me, I would begin by just talking to you about providence. Uh, The Lord is the one who will guide your life and guide your steps, and he'll accomplish his purposes in your life. So in other words, uh, there are many, there are many very, very good, highly talented uh, hockey players who will never play in the NHL ever, regardless of how hard they try. Are you one of them? Why? Yeah, I'm one Are of them. Are you one of them? Yeah, totally. If I could skate, yes. Um, if you totally could skate, you yeah, can't if, skate? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Like, where would I be skating in Africa? Are you kidding? Um, you didn't learn with your kids here? <laughs> uh, uh, no, thank you. So I, I think 
um, would begin a conversation about providence and just saying, okay, so it's not a bad thing to desire good things for your children. It's not That's not bad. But at the same time, we have to balance that with the providence of God. What is God's purpose and will for your life? And it may work out, <laughs> praise his name, but it might not work out, yeah. praise his name too. Okay, but... I think that fundamental to both of those approaches is a belief in the character of God, meaning that I think you need to believe deep down in your heart, and this is to me where the biggest the rub is. You need to believe deep down in your heart that your father, that your your father in heaven, is a good father who loves you. Yes, that I I think that that's ultimately the thing that challenges us. That I it's hard for me to trust God, and I'm I'm being honest here because I, I I struggle to trust God. It's hard for me to trust God, and the reason it's hard for me to trust God is because I don't know if his plan for me is actually as good as my plan for me. Totally. I don't know if it's wiser. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's going to achieve what I really want. Yeah. Yeah, but that, So could... it's a question of the goodness mm-hmm. yeah. of God and his goodness in particular focused, focused on me, yeah. which, is, which is where... Go ahead. But where, where I would say the rub is, so when I look at you, Jeff, like I would say, hey, the Lord has really blessed, blessed you, brother, right? Yeah. But I'm thinking of a couple in our church who have a very sick child, and they've cared for this child for years. And so obviously they're trusting the Lord for this child's healing, where the doctors are saying, you know what, there isn't much we can do here in this situation. And so they might give timelines or whatever the case may be. In for people like those in that situation, it is that's a whole different level of trusting that your father is actually good and that his plan is good, even though you're there helplessly watching a loved one struggle with a debilitating disease. Right. So here's here's kind of my application to this. Sure. I think that we probably will do ourselves a great service if we invest time, energy, thought, and by that I mean going to the scriptures and in prayer and spending time with other people who will remind us of this, thinking about the goodness of God toward those who are part of his covenant. And by that, I'm using theological language there. That the idea that God has made a promise to you that he will seek your good at every turn, regardless of whether in the short term it looks to be the case. Yeah. So, so a, a psalm like Psalm twenty-three should be. We should memorize this psalm, because what it's about is the goodness and kindness of our God toward we His sheep. And by we, I shouldn't even say we. It's I. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Mm-hmm. Right. You get, uh, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So there's, there are difficult circumstances, but I will fear no evil, for you are with me, right? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, and I would add to that, that that takes time. Like it takes time to get to know our God, to love him more and more as we walk with him. That isn't something that necessarily comes naturally or comes early on. Like sometimes we have to wrestle with God through that. Like I remember going through a really black time in my life where I was angry with God because his plans were not like better than my plans. My plans were better. And I wrestled for months with him on that issue. And I came out submitting to him and saying, yeah, your plans are better. And years later, I realized I can look back and go, okay. But that was hard in the moment. Mm. 
And I it, think people forget that we have to do that wrestling sometimes, and we have to still stick with God through that. With a, without a doubt. But, but what, what you're wrestling with is the, is the goodness yeah. of God if, for his covenant people. Yeah. The, and the fact that he's made a promise to you yeah. that he will seek your good. Right. At every turn that you really ultimately need to believe, even though in this present circumstance, it stinks and I'm not getting the thing I really want in the moment that I actually am, I am actually getting the thing I really want in the long term. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I think the, 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 the struggle with me and, and, and people would be, we, we often assume, no, we assume attitude. Yeah. Attitude. I think that that's the struggle you have between you and other people. (laughs) I I know, right? Um, such an attitude problem. Totally. I think it's the fact that we believe that we deserve. Yeah. I I, I am deserving of good things. Of what I want. What I say is good. Exactly. I I deserve that. And why can I not have that? How could God do that to me? Let me push back a little bit there. I agree with you to some degree, but I'm... Push back. Wouldn't a good father want to give good things to his children? And shouldn't shouldn't we view God as a good father who wants to give good things to his kids? Right. But I'll push back to you and say, actually, the reason you receive good things is a mercy. It is. It is a mercy. So therefore, if it is a mercy, then you will have to check yourself before you say you deserve. Yeah, I don't think people are saying they deserve, though. I think people are saying that I want, and I want... I want this, and I'm trying to understand why it is that God wouldn't give this thing to me. But think of it in practical terms. Me. Think of it. You guys are both dads, mm-hmm. and what you say is good for your child is not necessarily what they say is good. Because your kid would love to eat candy and ice cream and pop all day. That's what I say is good for them. I don't <laughs> yeah. see that. And <laughs> moms and dads say, uh, Jeff, you probably should eat your broccoli. And the kid's like, no. Right? I still don't. <laughs> Sometimes God says we have to eat broccoli, and we're not very excited about that. And yeah, we have to come to the point where we say, okay, Lord, I'll eat broccoli because you say that that's good for me. But I just, you know, I don't want broccoli. I want candy and pop. Yes. Yes, I agree. I just, I, th- I think that, that one of the great dangers for those who struggle to submit to, the, to God and submit to his will, I think one of the biggest dangers or one of the biggest challenges that they face is that they, just, they don't view him as loving and no. trustworthy enough for their future. And I, I think... That if they, and by they, I include myself in that, if they could get a vision for God, the covenant-keeping, never giving up, always and forever loving God of not just people, but of them, who is with them, with me. He's with me. Mm -hmm. And he has promised and pledged himself to me, regardless of what it is that I'm going to do in my life, that God, because of his sovereign choice, he is promised to me that if you can get a vision for that God... And your mind can be filled with that vision. To be honest, I struggle with, like I said before, several times, struggle with depression and melancholy and things. Those are the only lights that give me any hope, is the knowledge that no matter what I'm facing in the present moment, my God will not, will not let me go. He will bring me to his desired destination in the long run. So let yes. me ask a question then mm-hmm. for the two of you. Mm-hmm. How then, if it's so important to believe in this good God who loves us more than anything, and he has good things for us, maybe his idea of good things. How do you grow in that, the two of you, like practically? Girl, explain exa- exactly what like you're Like, how asking. do you grow your love for God? <laughs> I think, I, I, I think, I got him. 
for me, uh, speaking for myself here, I can't speak for Buckingham here, but I would say... You got the last name. By the way, just as a real quick aside, (laughs) Ezra worked here for like seven years, and he kept calling me Buckman for seven years. He couldn't get my last name right. Seven years. His boss, Buckman. What do you think, think, Buckman? And I thought it was a joke for a while, and I was like, what's my last name? Buckman. No, Ezra... (laughs) Oh, anyway, back to your point. <laughs> now you've made me forget my point. What was I saying? What was the question again? <laughs> How is it that we... How do you grow in your love for God, practically? Because right. we, sp- we say it out there really quick, but what does that actually I'll t- mean? Right. I'll give you one thing, and then Ezra will give one thing, and I'll give another, and he'll okay. give another, okay? Uh, I'm planning this year to read through the Psalms. Okay. Uh, I have started in things, mostly because they're lo- they're, they are heartfelt uh, by by read through the Psalms, you understand devotionally, like mm-hmm. a Psalm a day. I'm, yep. I like the big chunk of scripture, read through the Bible thing I've yep. done before, but it's not, I, I, I find it a little bit cumbersome. So yep. I read through the Psalms and the Psalms evoke, I, it's hard for me to get through a lot of them without, without breaking down a bit <laughs> Yeah, because they're just, they're the language that God has given his people to express back to God. <laughs> Yeah. Like these are the, these are the true human emotions, and so what I've what I've been reading, and of course, what you read about in the Psalms is the, about the power and the sovereignty and the kindness and the grace and the mercy and the restitution of God, and the questions we have with that sort of thing. And so I'm that's one of the things that I'm trying to do for that very purpose this year. I want to love God more, and I I want to know His love for me more. So I'm reading through the Psalms. Ezra, what do you got? So for me, I re- usually read through the Bible, and sometimes I read through it in three months. Um, and as I read, I'm always seeking to see the gospel in, in it, to see how God's love and faithfulness for rebels who keep running away from him. And so the deeper I go into understanding the gospel, I know what the gospel is, you know, creation, rebellion, redemption, restoration. Mm-hmm. But when you now go deeper to really understand what God saved you from and what he's saving you to, my goodness, uh, every single time, every single facet of the gospel continues to move me like, wow, I am such a wretched sinner. And yet God continues to show me his grace, his love, faithfulness, answers my prayer, grants me a wonderful wife, great kids, good life. Man, I don't. that's why I'm talking about a mercy, a mercy, a mercy all the yeah. time. So I think along the same lines, one of the things I'm trying to do right now is, is to cultivate an attitude of thankfulness. Mm-hmm. And by attitude, I mean, like, deliberately go into Thanksgiving moments. Do, do, yeah. Like, repeat yeah. to the Lord. Yeah. Even, by the way, not in some hard? special moment, not in some special moment at 8.30 in the morning where yeah. I get the candles burning next to me, and so, which is all good. <laughs> you by could. the way, if yeah. you want to do this, awesome. But I mean, while I'm walking to my car, mm-hmm. while I'm in my car with the radio off, while yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about something else, just taking seriously. Mm-hmm. Two three minutes and just thanking God for for stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to do this more. I don't do it enough, and I find that when there's when when I don't thank God like that, there grows in me a, a an entitlement. The very attitudes that Ezra was pointing out earlier that I just I don't want there to be there, and I end up recasting God for being the the kind God who has given so much to me, to being the withholding mean God who doesn't want me to have any fun, which just, by yeah. the way, if you look back at the original, at the original, the first sin, right? Like, it's, 
what is, what's going on there? Well, what you have is God describing himself to Adam as a good, kind God, giving them everything in the garden to eat. Look at all the stuff I gave you. I've blessed you with all of this. And then what you have the serpent coming along and saying, look at how little God has given you, mm-hmm. right? You, he's, he's, he hasn't blessed you with this. And it's, that's the challenge. Yeah. So if you can remember thankfulness, if, you, we, if we can commit ourselves to that kind of thankfulness, that ready thankfulness, I think it would change the way we give money. I think it would change the way, certainly, at least in my heart, I think I'm hoping it's going to change the way that I sometimes get down about life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think finally I would say just being intentional about being a Christian. So this means, okay, so how, how intentional am I about how I spend and uh, the kinds of entertainment that I put before my eyes and the conversations I have with my family and, and how I choose to pastor? Am I being intentional about um, demonstrating, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done? on earth as it is in heaven? Mm-hmm. Am I being intentional about living my life that way? And um, the moment you begin asking those questions about intentionality and how you're doing your thing, how you're doing life, mm. yeah. And also go to church. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to mm. switch the topic up for a second. Mm. We are starting a new sermon series called Run to Win. And I know that Jeff's not a runner. And I know that, Ezra, I think you run Ouch. maybe for soccer. I used to. <laughs> I used to run. So you, and Greg's not a runner, and I don't think Annie's well, a runner. Can we just pause for a minute? <laughs> I appreciate the words about me being not a runner. You would understand somebody like me not being a runner, okay? Just I'm not built for it. I don't have the heritage of it. That kind of thing. My question is, <laughs> how is it that every single race in the world is won by Kenyan people, and yet, <laughs> and yet my friend Ezra... Doesn't run. I saw it coming. I saw it coming. I saw it coming. Well, we have this sermon series called Run to Win, and I know it's not a sermon series on how to train for a marathon. So, like... Does does this puzzle you, Thalia? Yeah, yeah. It puzzles me. Like, he's the only Kenyan in the world who doesn't run. Okay. Who can't run. It's not just doesn't. He can't do it. Oh, my. No, I used to run way back then. And then then I moved to North America... And the Lord, by his grace, granted me a car. And I wondered, <laughs> why would I walk and run when I can drive? drive. I can get there faster. Yeah. So it's like, this is awesome. Okay. So it's not about training for a marathon. What's the series about? Uh, the series, Run to Win. So the language comes from uh, the scriptures, especially the Apostle Paul, when he talks about the doctrine of perseverance. So he'll use a couple of different images to talk about when we say perseverance, meaning continuing to walk with Jesus until your very last breath, mm-hmm. okay? Um, we, there are a couple images that are used in Scripture. One of, one of them is farming. It's a, about the harvest, right? Uh, so Greg, this last weekend, talked about the parable of the sower, where the sower goes out and there's four different kinds of soil it falls in, and the only one that's really genuine is the, is the last one that yields a harvest, right? So everything is kind of focused on the harvest. Yeah. Okay. The truth, or the yeah, the the truth of the goodness of the soil is determined by what happens in the end. Well, same image is used, right? To Paul Paul talks about how I've, I've I've finished the race, I've kept the faith, uh, to run the race with perseverance, or or writer of Hebrews run the race marked mm-hmm. out for us. So. 
that's where the language comes from. And of course, in the, similarly, in a in a running race, and there, we do celebrate at the beginning when when Ezra starts his marathon. Okay, when he starts running, we're like, "Yay, Ezra, you're amazing!" Because that's what people they all congregate around the front. But and then sometimes in the middle, we're cheering them on and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then at the end, we, we cheer them on. In Christianity, though, we tend to focus a lot more on the front of the race, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Hey, you came to faith in Jesus. Good for you. Yep. You prayed the prayer. You, you did. Awesome. You baptized. Uh-huh. Ah, we, parties and everything like that. But we don't spend an enormous amount of time celebrating or pressing forward uh, the, the need for people to continue Yeah. all the way to the day. That, that, that they die. And when you go to the Bible and you ask theologically, you just ask this question theologically of the Bible, what happens to people who start running this race and stop? Yeah. What, what happens to those, those seeds that fall among the, the hard ground or the thorny, thorny soil or the, the rocky ground? Like wh- what happens to them? In in the end, and what do we say then theologically? What so what happens to the Christian? And I put that in scare quotes there. Mm-hmm. What do we what do we what happens to the Christian or the professing believer who stops professing or doesn't practice or doesn't continue in their practice or profession for their whole life? Yeah, and they end up becoming what we use in theological language apostate. Right. So this series is meant to try to engage a little bit with that question, mostly because everybody that we're in our church either knows somebody who's apostate, is apostate, or is in th- uh, under the threat of apostasy. Yeah, there's there's not a single person who you're talking to uh, who, unless they're just an unbeliever, brand new to the thing, it's not a single person you're talking to who's not who is not touched by this particular mm-hmm. doctrine, and you're shocked at how many passages of Scripture are about this. We're, we're gonna, I think we're talking, touching on five of them, but I, I have a mm-hmm. class I teach for our immersed students, and I, I read through every passage in the New Testament uh, w- that refers to this, yeah. and they get sick of it, because it takes all about an hour and a half class, and then maybe a little bit more just to read through each and every one of yeah. them. It's a very consistent theme in the Bible. So, spoiler alert, what are you hoping to teach, both of you and Greg, and I don't know if Andy's preaching in this one, but what are you hoping to teach over and over and over again so that people really get it? Give everything you've got to finish the race. Do, do whatever is necessary to finish. To put one foot in front of right. the other and keep going. Right. To, keep, to keep going. Yeah. To walk with Jesus yeah. today, even if it's a small step. Yeah. To to turn toward him, to walk toward him and not away. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I'm hoping or hopeful that there are, will be people. I mean, the the warning. Most of the passages that we'll be preaching on are what we call warning passages in the Bible. And warning passages are like, uh, you know, if you don't do this, this is going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. You have to start asking the question. Well, how do those function in the Bible? And they they function well. So why is why 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 are they writing those? Like, who's going to listen to them? And the answer is the people who are, the people who are, are going to, the people who are going to finish the race are the ones who are helped by the warnings. Does that make yeah. sense? Mm-hmm. Be, be, it's the same way. Like if I'm driving down the freeway or a, a coastal highway and there's a big cliff on my side, who are the ones who obey the warning signs? The really bad drivers, or the good ones. The good ones. The good ones. Bad drivers are going to be dead. 
Yeah. Okay, so who's going to listen to the warning signs when I talk about the dangers of the cliffs on the side in the Christian faith? Well, the 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 good drivers, meaning the people whose hearts are warm toward Jesus. So yeah. one of listen, one of God's means of keeping you in the faith is you hearing the warning passages. Yeah, and then we want those good Christians who are putting one foot in front of the other to teach those around them. Right. Please put one foot in front of the other. Keep going. To, but right. but to repeat the warnings yeah. because it because one, the means that God is going to use it's just like it's just one of His ordained means to keep people in the faith is these warning passages. Yeah. What's so crazy to me is how few of them are taught in churches. It's like, yeah. we're, uh, we're, it's like we're freaking out. And then we wonder, of course, why is everybody walking away from the faith? I'm like, well, because you don't, you never warned anybody. Yeah. Or you end up defining it in such a way to say, well, there is no such thing as walking away from the faith, right? Yeah. There is no such, apostasy is not real. It's not a real thing. You okay, just pray so, a prayer one day and it's all good. It's a good segue. Mm. So where do we get tripped up then when it comes to thinking about perseverance? Well, I'll, we'll 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 do this as a. Yeah. Are you okay doing like shotgun sure. style or whatever? Yeah. Is that it's not shotgun mm-hmm. style? I mean, I'm American, so everything kind of goes down to a gun thing. <laughs> totally. So, uh, I'll do one, then you do one. What do you call that? <laughs> it's a back and forth. Okay, that's. I got that's one probably better. Go three way. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah it's a back and okay. forth. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Go. What was the question? <laughs> I just my mind started thinking about guns. And so I where do we excited. get tripped up? Well, one of the ways we get tripped up is to believe that apostasy is not a real thing. Right. Or, or, that and by people that, can't lose their by faith. By that, I mean that, no, not to say that people can't lose their faith, to say that someone who prays a prayer yep. at one point, that that prayer, no matter what happens subsequent to the prayer, okay, yep. is binding. Yes. So you are, a, you are a genuine Christian just because you said some incantation at one point. Yeah. Even if your life, there's no, there's no change of life, no, so no practicing of it. So we're thinking of a parent who has a child who prayed a prayer at camp one year, or yeah. here at church day camps, and or has whatever. Never made it any any modicum of difference right. in their life. So that parent would say that they've lost their faith because they had their faith for the parent yeah. believed they had their faith, and they think, why does Johnny not follow yeah. the faith I'm anymore? I'm going to say that they didn't lose it, but th- this know, is a theological but, debate. Yeah. But my, my point is, regardless of whether or not you say they lost it or they never had, had it, it, they don't have it at the moment. Yeah. And that's the point. There are those, though, who believe differently. So there are kind of three big views to this. One is called what I call decisionism, and that's the belief that you pray a prayer one day and you come forward at the, you know, at the alpha meeting or you come forward to the altar call or whatever it is, and that that ensures that you are your gods. It doesn't matter what happens after that. Yeah. It doesn't matter to, because one saves, always saved. That's the yeah. language that's, that's used, right? So you could go back to your former manner of life completely, mm-hmm. but you prayed this prayer. It's kind yeah. of a fire insurance policy yeah, totally. that you put in your back pocket. Yeah, um, I, I'm. That's one. That's called decisionism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I reject it. I th- the Bible doesn't actually agree on on that ground at all. Uh, th- one of the other views is well, no, somebody who who prays that prayer and then walks away from the faith had salvation, and then they lost it. I, I don't agree with that view either because I think it misunderstands what mm-hmm. salvation is, especially as we're talking about the, the focus on the end. Yeah. Nobody's got salvation yet completely. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Till the last breath is Til taken. Till the last breath. Uh, th- the third view is, is well, those who, who start but don't finish never actually had. They might have professed to have, but they never actually had salvation. I think that's the right way to think about it mm-hmm. because salvation is something that you ultimately gain... At the end, this is the the wreath 
that is given yeah. to the person who finishes the race. Yeah, who practiced it all right? the way along, who Just persevered. Just starting, even though you started the race and you quit halfway through, yeah. you, got, you got nothing. But this is where people get tripped up because yes. they will put all of their hopes and all their beliefs in that initial prayer by the someone that they love. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I agree. There's a whole lot of theology around this. It's, it's mm-hmm. really delightful to think to think about and very helpful to think about because yeah. I do I believe once saved, always saved. Yeah. But the question I'm asking is what what does genuine salvation look yeah. like? You can address that in the what sermon series. What does once saved look like? Yeah. Good. Don't you worry, man. We are going to get into all of this. <laughs> I think the other thing that trips people up would be they love the they love the wrong things too much and the right things too little. So like what? what do you mean? By that I mean I think we have a whole collection of idols that we worship and we also love Jesus at the same time. So we are not willing to put to death the deeds of the flesh mm. and they keep tripping us constantly, mm-hmm. constantly, constantly. So we love mm-hmm. the so wrong you, things too so much. So to apply that to the perseverance debate, Ezra, are you not a Christian if you continue to struggle with the same old things? I think the struggle, the struggle is there, and there's the process of sanctification that God, that God, um, the Spirit of God is constantly sanctifying you. So you are a Christian. You are a Christian. So to str- there is a difference between. If you're consistently failing in the same areas. There is a difference between. You're still a Christian. Yes, and here's why I would say this. This is why I would say that. I would say. Um, a Christian is one when sin when sin knocks on your door and you succumb to it, but then you turn around and you continually throw yourself at the mercy of God, constantly saying, "Lord, Lord, I am so sorry." It's the, at the end of the day, it's the posture of your heart. Yeah. So there's a counts. difference between a repenting sinner, yeah, yes, who keeps struggling and failing, but they're in yeah. the fight. Yes, yeah. they're in it. Versus. The person who is not in the fight and has just, has now got to come to the point where they've justified, even on on Bible grounds, right? They've justified their sin. Well, it's like someone who's been right. caught in adultery and is sorry that they got caught, but not sorry that they've done the adultery. We want people who are sorry for their sin and literally like fall with God and say, "Please help me with this." And we should see a process of. Um, leaving your sin behind and getting closer to Christ, which is sanctification. Yeah, basically. So I think the whole, our entire lives as Christians, as God's children, is repentance. It's repentance every moment of every day throughout your Christian life. You you won't get to a place where you will be uh, perfect, sinless, without any folly. I think the opposite would be true. The closer you walk with Christ, the more wicked you realize you are. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. So I'll give you another pitfall then. Yeah. Uh, along a little bit along that line, so I tend to think of these pitfalls as two sides to a river that you don't want to go on ground. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. one of them on the one side says that grace is cheap. That ba- basically you, you you can pray a prayer, do whatever you want, still a Christian. You're good. Ne- never You're a good never person. ultimately repent, come back to yeah. faith in Christ. It's all good. Yeah, I think that's not true. I don't think no. that's what the Bible teaches at all. On the other side, I I want to say that there's a danger that we have that says, oh, in order for me to persevere to the end, I have to actually be perfect. Yeah. So all this talk about sanctification and all this talk about, like, you need to never struggle and always get over it. If I'm having a struggle in my life, that means that I'm not persevering to the end. Oh my, I'm never going to make it. Right. 
That's not true either no. at all. In fact, that's a that's a lie from the pit of the hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that the gospel says that no, you are found in Christ, yeah. and that ultimately our salvation is not found in our ability to perform in response to the grace of God. Our salvation is formed is is from the prom- is based upon the promise of Jesus, who says that I've saved you. Yeah, based upon your you know like. We, you get baptized, we say that. Based upon your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you look back and you point to your baptism as an expression of your profession of faith. And you say, no, God called me, he saved me. And so even though I struggle in these, in these moments, I can look back and say, no, as long as I'm willing to repent, this, this is still true of me. Mm-hmm. I, he still holds me. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? So yeah. I feel, it sounds like I'm saying two things there. Like I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth. Well, you know... In, and I am mm-hmm. to some degree. There, there are two dangers here. Yeah, one is to be what we call libertine. Yeah, and one is to be a legalist. I know. And and you, neither are true. They both no. ruin the gospel. There's another pitfall I see a lot: uh, parents who come to me and their son or daughter is currently not following Christ. They believe that their son or daughter was a Christian or did proclaim Christ at one point, but is not now following Christ, and they are freaking out. And so what I often try to encourage parents is we need to pray for the heart of your son or daughter, because just because they're not following Christ today doesn't mean they won't next week, next year, 10 years from now. Like While there is life and breath, there's hope. We don't give up. We don't say, oh, well, they're a lost cause. Like that's just not that's not even Christian. Yeah. So we keep praying for them. So short short little story. I'm giving away lots of stuff that I'm going to say in sermons, so it doesn't matter. No, it's good. Nobody listens to our podcast anyway. <laughs> but here here's a repetition is a good thing. Believe me. Oh yeah. Um, so Augustine, you know, great Augustine mm-hmm. is one of the great fathers of the Christian Church. In fact, um, many people would say that Augustine's theology is only second to that of the Apostle Paul in terms of its formative power for the Christian Church. So Augustine, Augustine was a young man whose mother was a Christian and raised him in that manner to some degree, and he, but whose father did not, didn't believe it at all and wanted his son just to be rough, tumble, just whatever, and he took his father's way. And it broke his mom's heart. Mm. He walked away from the faith in the biggest, in the biggest way. He would, like all the stuff, you just name all the stuff that you would define, like he did all the stuff. Eventually, he kind of came back to religion, uh, and he became what they call a manichee. Uh, that's not a fish in the water. That's a that's mani- manatee. That, Ezra, that's a manatee. Yeah. What's a manichee? Okay. 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 But uh, a manichee is manichaeism is a is another religious tradition. It was kind of a we call a gnostic belief. It it, it was a kind of a a twist on pure Christi- true Christianity. Okay. Good twist. Bad twist. Bad twist. Oh yeah. Okay. Manichees were. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so they. He he was medicated for like, I don't know what are these fourteen years, thirteen years of his life. His his mother kept going to her pastor and saying, "You need to tell, go and talk to my son," because the pastor used to be a medicated and turned around from it. And the pastor is like, "Well, he's not going to listen to me. Just listen. He's not going to listen to me. But you, just, he's going to come out of it. Mm-hmm. You just need to understand. He's going to come out of it." And she's like, "How do you know?" He said, "Well, because I came out of it, and it's he's too smart to follow something that stupid." <laughs> so. So she said, she, but she kept coming back to the pastor and demanding yeah. that he go and talk to her. Finally, he said to her, woman, listen, I mean, I'm kind mm-hmm. of quoting from some stuff I've read recently. Woman, no son whose mother is praying for him like and pleading for him like you will ever be left out of God's fold. 
Now, she took that as a promise right. from, from in that moment that he, he would actually come back. And she went home. Uh, Monica was her name. She went home, and she, she, she felt a peace about, about it finally. Augustine, had you taken a snapshot of him during these years, you yeah. would have had no hope for him. She cried so many tears and prayed so many prayers. But I am telling you, you should read the story of Augustine, who came to faith in Jesus, genuine faith in Jesus, when he was ran out of all the other options and his life took a horrible turmoil and God worked the miracle in his life. And in the end, he came to faith in Jesus, mm-hmm. a fleeting, not fleeting, a a hesitating faith at first. He still kept a concubine for a while, for years after it, and finally gave up the concubine because he realized, I can't do this. And what I'm talking about, he was a professing Christian, yeah. had a concubine for quite a few yeah. years, and then finally gave it up. Well, we have lots of people in our <laughs> church like this, and that, about and the concubine. And then finally, he ended up, he ended up becoming, guys, he, Augustine, mm-hmm. Saint Augustine, yeah. defending some of the greatest... Uh, biblical and theological principles in his day, like th- one of the great warriors of the Christian faith, yeah, tr- and like defines in some ways what a true Christian is. Yeah. So here's a dude who was totally apostate who comes back at the prayers of his mother. I don't know, man. I'm gonna read a short story about him at one of these sermons. I'm sure of it because I- you just need to realize that there are moments. If you take a snapshot of people in every moment, that's well, it's not. Yeah. Well, and I think if you're a parent or you have somebody in your life that you love that has walked away like that, you have to go to Ezekiel 36, starting about 25, where it says, I will put a new heart in you, and I will move, re- remove your heart of stone and make it into a heart of flesh. And we have to pray that for the people we love, because it's God that does the work. Mm. Mm. It is. That's right. Yeah. And on and that you note... Can't, you just can't take that... Yeah, you've got to take the long, the longer view, yeah. ultimately. And, and you have to trust, ultimately, what the, lo- the Lord is doing is what the Lord is... It is what the Lord wants to be done. Yep. It's for our good and His glory. And on that note, we'll say goodbye and see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>